Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Welcome into Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. I just looked at the date. It's December, one of my favorite months for what it's worth. Happy December. For those who love the holiday season. All right, listen up. He's Drew Dinsick. I'm Sarah Perlman, and a lot to get to today. The golf season just about wrapped up, but that does not mean there aren't good wagers to be made. Will Gray is here to tell us who's backing at the Star Studded Hero World Challenge. Also, PointsBet senior editor Teddy Greenstein is also here. He's going to let us know how betters are now attacking the conference championship games in college football and how that can even impact the national title market. We also have our edge of the day and, and a lot of other NBA plays to get to here coming up on bet the edge drew good morning new month new slate of games holiday season i'm excited on this show to begin to kind of break down some of the nba games for today because we always get your plays for edge of the day but there's pretty much a, a big slate for the majority of weekdays and today that remains the same so i want to start off with this mavericks game playing the pelicans and not only take me through the side you like but where your model is showing an advantageous play for tonight on this one yeah so looking to shake the cold start i've had to the week to the nba here with new a month, couple of extra new plays slate. new month <laughs> slate but there's a uh there's an edge here for the mavericks which is uh worth talking about and we'll start breaking this down by kind of pointing out that uh, are the Mavericks a good team? Probably not. Do they have one of the best players in the NBA? Absolutely. They've had a funny schedule so far. They're on a kind of a cold streak right now, one in five in their last six, but they've played very, very high quality competition over that stretch, particularly some very, very challenging defenses to face. And uh, they haven't performed especially well. They're dealing with some injuries right now, particularly to their bigs. So they're trying out some new lineups there. We're getting a little bit more, you know, exposure to some of their, uh, their guard play. Um, but uh, this is a nice bounce back spot for a Mavericks team that has done one thing all season, and that is beat the pants off of the dregs of the NBA. They, they struggle against the good teams, but if there is one thing you can count on with this Mavericks team is that they're going to beat the teams below them, and that is exactly where the Pelicans find themselves. The Pelicans have fought hard this season. They have been obviously missing their key, you know, key expected contributor. Zion Williamson has yet to take the court for the, the Pels so far, so it's been all Brandon Ingram. Uh, and then uh, of late, they've gotten some surprisingly positive contributions from Jonas Valanciunas. That looks likely to regress to me. I don't think he continues to contribute offensively to the degree he has. Pelicans in general are tired. Pelicans in general are thin. Uh, all of that, I think, plays into the strengths of the Dallas Mavericks. And I think Dallas gets a comfortable win and you're getting them at a deflated price right now of minus two and a half as people are losing confidence in the Mavericks, considering how poor they have been of late. So they can pick apart teams that obviously can't string together big wins. That, of course, as you said, is the Pelicans with six wins, 17 losses on this season. 
chalky start, which I love. I typically like the favorites. So if you're starting to like the favorites, something's firing off. I'll, I'll take you on that one. The Hornets and Bucks, another game we have to get to here because the Milwaukee Bucks at home drew laying eight and a half points. To the naked eye, people that don't necessarily follow the NBA a ton will say, no, this is a really good Charlotte Hornets offense. I think they can get it going. Eight and a half is a big number. What say you on this one? Yeah, so I got involved in this one overnight, betting on the Bucks to push this up. I still see value at eight and a half. I think this ultimately closes close to double digits here, and I think that's probably where this line should have opened. The Hornets are not an especially a deep team, particularly at a key position, which is anyone that can pr- protect the rim. They have done, you know, they have they have shown to be a pretty suspect, uh, just in general, protect you know defense in the paint team so far this season, and they take on probably the most dynamic offense in terms of creating. In the pain and that is the uh the milwaukee bucks on top of that milwaukee bucks thriving in transition so far this season hornets have been somewhat of a sloppy team with you know a tendency to turn the ball over especially in key moments and you know we talked about the hornets a little bit on monday as they were preparing to face the bulls we thought maybe they had a puncher's chance you know it was a relatively equal uh you know equal head-to-head in terms of fatigue but they completely fell apart in the second half completely ran out of gas. I think that is a harbinger of what is to come against the Milwaukee team that at 13 and eight is playing a lot better than their record suggests. A ton of the, you know, anyone that's using data from this season to inform an NBA number so far is using a lot of Milwaukee data that did not have Drew Holiday in the lineup, that did not have Chris Middleton in the lineup. Uh, And so for that reason, I think in general, you're seeing some depression of the price on Milwaukee. If this game were being played in the middle of the season, I'm guessing you would have seen a Milwaukee open up around a minus 10 or so. And yes, it is a big number to to lay, but uh, Milwaukee in general is not a team I have a problem going to the well, expecting them to give us a full heart perform. Yeah, right now, if you just look where the money's coming in on your side, over 70% of the handle coming in on the Milwaukee Bucks, this number probably does tick up by tip-off. Um, quick follow here, Drew, out of curiosity. The Mavericks and Pelicans, maybe the fatigue factor isn't relevant. They had some rest. But you look at this game in particular with the Bucks at home playing the Hornets, who you know we talked about a few days ago, as you said, thought had a fighter's chance, not necessarily against the Bulls. But your read and is the fatigue factor playing a role in this game? Oh, yes, for sure. And I think uh, in general, um, there are certain teams that I that you that it really impacts more. uh, And the Hornets are one of them. It's a young team. They're a thin team. They don't have wave. They don't have like like, uh, uh, okay, let's think about the last week and and even and even to yesterday and the Phoenix Suns, the Suns have wave after wave of really talented players that they can backfill in terms of just kind of getting contributions if players are tired, if players are starting to lose a little bit of steam in game or players get hurt like Devin Booker did last night. They had guys come step right into those roles and responsibilities and it was Great seamless. Point. Hornets aren't that deep. Hornets aren't a team that I especially, you know, they Hornets rely too heavily on the on the shooting the three as well. That tends to be impacted when you have tired legs. So all told, uh, the Hornets are a team that I have circled as being a, a highly susceptible to fatigue. Okay, I've been following the fatigue factor with you throughout the season, so totally checks out for this game. The Bucks, by the way, 7-3 and three against the number in their last 10 meetings and normally laying a pretty big number at that, so we'll take the Bucks for tonight. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. Enter this week's free NBA pick-and-roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we are highlighting matchups between the 76ers and Celtics, Hornets and Bucks, and Timberwolves and Wizards. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, Download it now. I've missed Will. It's been a little bit. Might be a a long break after this. Will Gray, of course, to talk some golf with us. 
But we have the Hero World Challenge. We welcome in Will to help us break this down. And yes, there is a lot to get to in terms of the field and, and a lot of the stars playing in this. But this week's probably just as much about Tiger Woods and his first public appearance since his car wreck almost a year ago. That was back in February. Just as much about the tournament. So tell me a little bit about your main thoughts on, on what you took away from Tiger Woods kind of addressing people in the media for the first time. Yeah, first off, it was good to to hear from him. It was the first time we'd heard from him since that car crash about 10 months ago. And and I thought it was there was a lot about his response that was healthy. I mean, it seems like this is a guy that's about to turn 46, and he's okay with the fact that, in his words, he's not going to summit the mountain again. If he's going to play again on the PJ Tour, it's going to be in a limited basis. He drew parallels to Ben Hogan in the 50s after his car crash, where he played maybe four, five, six, up to nine events in a year. I think that's what we might be able to expect, best-case scenario, out of Tiger Woods moving forward. Maybe he plays the majors, maybe a couple other events here and there. But but I think as we get farther away from that 2019 Masters, it's going to become more and more special. It belongs in the Pantheon with the 86 Masters that Jack Nicholas won because Tiger is just not going to get back to that place. And it really speaks to how big of an achievement it was that now, granted, he's got he's dealing with a, a much different injury, but but we're really turning the page on on Tiger as he heads towards 50. And I think that whatever we get from here on out, I think is is gravy. <sighs> hope we get one more <laughs> it's just it's just one more in contention is that too much to ask uh, no, but no i don't, I don't think so I mean, I mean the way he always talked about it even when he was in his prime when he's playing you know 20 to 25 events he says i'm he was he was the king of peaking for the majors and he says i've yeah. got four or five weeks a year where i want to be the best that i can be and if i can pull off one of them it's going to be a good year and i think that that's what we're going to see moving forward he admits he doesn't have the time to practice anymore physically uh and he's yeah. just in a different stage of life but yeah i think if he tees it up five or six times in a in a season and we know which four of, the, of those are going to be among the six i don't think it's too much to ask to maybe if the ball bounces right you get into the weekend with him at least in the mix where you can talk yourself into it and say i don't know 12 to 1 going into saturday i've got a feeling this could be worth the, worth a nibble <laughs> Oh, you just want the roars, you know. You, you just want the crowd to be, you know, especially as crowds come back to these types of events. It, it's uh, it does feel uh, important, but yeah, silver linings Wednesday with Will. This is this is uh, uh, this is exactly what I needed today. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Hero World Challenge, which is taking place down in uh, the Bahamas, right? Nassau, mm -hmm. Albany, uh, Albany Golf Club. I heard there's I, a lot of yachts yeah. in golf, so I'm now tempted yeah. to go down there for what it's worth. I don't think my yacht is in the Bahamas right now, so <laughs> I won't be going. Era. Uh, but uh it's a fun it's a it's a fun uh mix of about 20 of the best players in the world a lot of these guys who very excited to see what kind of form they're in see what kind of uh see what they can do on this particular course which is a fun and challenging course anyone stand out among the best of you know guys who you think is uh potentially mispriced at the top of the leaderboard yeah if you ever wanted to hit a golf future this is the week for you because there's only 20 guys <laughs> pretty good shot here so which 10 should we bet yeah, exactly. This is, this is as small as it's going to get field-wise. Uh, and we mentioned before the show, Drew, this feels like a chalk Wednesday after going through some of your NBA picks. I'll stick with the theme. And I, and I really think that we need to look at Colin Morikawa, who is priced just below Rory McIlroy at 8-1 to one to win this thing. He just beat Rory to win the race to Dubai on the European Tour uh, a couple weeks ago. And this is always interesting to, to figure out motivation for guys. Some of the players in this field are just grabbing the world ranking points that are readily available. Some of them are, you know, have one foot out the door for, for Christmas plans. Maybe they're heading to a duck blind. Who knows? Golfers have very few chances for the offseason, so they try and make the best of it. But Colin Morikawa can get to world number one with a win. I think that's really important. He would be the second fastest 
ever to do so behind only Tiger. He would be the first world number one who was born after Tiger turned pro. So it really speaks to, you know, coming full circle at an event that is hosted and run by Tiger and his organization. But if you look at some of the recent champions in Albany, where I, I was there a few years ago, I think I still have sand in my shoes from covering that event because it is just, you're either in the fairway or you're, you're digging out of the sand for sure. Uh, but you look at Henrik Stenson, who won two years ago, Hideki Matsuyama, who won a couple years before that, Great iron players, not so great putters. That is the Colin Morikawa to a T. I really think that his, you know, great advantage from the fairway with an iron is going to yield a lot of birdies. These greens are not super complex. He's going to be able to roll in more than his fair share. And Drew, I looked at the derivative market where it's, I think that you might find this interesting. Rory is priced above Morikawa in the futures, but if you look at the head-to-head at points bet, it's Morikawa who's minus 120 against Rory. So Rory might be the feast or famine favorite, but Morikawa is viewed as the steady option, the guy that's definitely going to be in the mix come the weekend. And I tend to agree with that assessment. Well, I got chills up my spine when you said sand in your shoes, because I hate when I put shoes on and there's still sand in them. And honestly, that's what I'm thinking about right now. But on a golf note, I will say our edge projection tools do have Colin Morikawa, excuse me, to finish second. So our model's agreeing with you that obviously he has a, a good chance in this one. But you know, I want I love eight to one. Don't get me wrong, and your analysis stands, but you know me, and I want a long shot all the time, and I beg you for these. So I leave it up to you now. Give me someone, maybe with a big number, that does have a chance in this small yet very competitive field here in the Bahamas. Yeah, the big numbers this week are, are very relative. Only one guy priced above 30 to 1, which is rare for, for golf. But I will take a look and perhaps a nibble at, at Justin Rose. He's at 28 to 1, but I really like him for a top five finish in the plus 340 range. I saw him just tick up a little bit to plus 333. Again, talking about motivation, Justin Rose is 47th in the world rankings. He needs these world ranking points in a big way because when you fall out of the top 50 in the world, that is a problem in terms of getting into some of the bigger events. Justin Rose is not currently exempt for the Players' Championship. He's not exempt for the Open Championship. This is a guy who hasn't been outside the top 50 in about a decade. So he definitely has a lot to play for and probably knows this course better than anyone in the field. He used to live at Albany. He lived there for several years, moved back to the UK recently. This is a course that he knows very well. Three straight top five finishes at this event. I know he's not playing as well as he was maybe a couple years back, but this fall, he's, he's shown some flashes. A T12 in his most recent start at the RSM. He had a T6 at Wentworth at the BMW PGA, a big European tour event. So he seems to be turning the corner, hasn't missed a cut since the U.S. Open. He's not going to miss a cut this week, but I think it speaks to the fact that maybe his game is a little more solid than it seems. He could be a little underrated. I think that top five number is definitely worth looking at. Man, my head is spinning here. I did not know that Justin Rose did not have a, an exemption for the Open. I did not know that he lived in the Bahamas and elected to move back to the UK. Okay. Uh, and I did not know people wore sand, you know, shoes in the sand. Sarah, what are we doing? We're, we're flip-flop, flip-flop uh, territory around no, here. No, 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 yeah, Drew. Let's take you out to Albany, and you're going to cover the event where there's no rough. You're either in the fairway or you're in the sand. And if you want to walk 18 holes with your favorite golfer, you're walking through the sand. And then you just got to give him a little pat afterwards okay. and Let's just okay. ask him why he left Albany. He left the Bahamas where he lived <laughs> to go back to the UK. That's what I want to focus the rest of the show on. I want to start weighing the pros and cons of the Bahamas and a rainy season. Anyway, go ahead, Drew. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Uh, so I guess it would be unwise to let you go without asking for your favorite matchup on the board, because um, obviously with the with the small field like this, there's got to be some value in some of these head to heads. Is there anything that really stings to you as you look at the uh, head to heads? 
Yeah, I do think we have a little bit of value on perhaps the hottest player on the PGA Tour in the fall season, and that is uh, Sam Burns. And he's sitting there at minus 106 against Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler almost won that Houston Open a couple weeks ago, but but I really haven't seen as much out of him since the Ryder Cup. Sam Burns was not on that Ryder Cup team. Perhaps that's been a little bit of motivation, but he has been so solid this fall, including that win at the Sanderson Farms in Mississippi. And this is a course where you've got a lot of room to miss off the tee before you get into that sand that gets in your shoes. Sam Burns is going to be able to lean on his driver in a big way. I think it's going to give him an advantage. We've seen him so strong with those irons in his tee to green game where he won in Mississippi and didn't necessarily need to be the best on the greens to do so. I think we could get a similar week from him this week where the tee to green game shines. And I think he's going to have enough to edge Scotty Shuffler. People are starting to get involved as we're showing our graphic up. Sam Burns plus 111, Scotty Scheffler now plus 108 at the Hero World Challenge. So clearly people are starting to bet into the Hero World Challenge and also consider moving to the Bahamas. And that's what I'm doing as we go through the show. Seriously, Will, you are the best. Thanks for jumping on. Will's on Twitter, at WillGrayGC. He has a ton of content there. And of course, on NBCSportsEdge.com. Will, we'll talk to you soon. Best of luck with all your plays. Sounds good, guys. Also get some new shoes so the sand's out. Um, wish you could have heard that. All right, we move on, you guys. Thanks for listening to us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you may be listening, rate the podcast, sign up. We're giving you actionable information in just about 30 minutes or less. The lines, as we just saw in the head-to-head market, and all the markets move fairly quickly. We do want to make sure you're gaining an edge with us. So be sure to sign up and subscribe. And of course, you can hit us up on Twitter as well. If you have tips about where we should vacation or live or what type of footwear to wear when we are covering golf events, always available to chat on Twitter. You can reach me at whale underscore capper and you can find Sarah at Sarah Perlman. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Oh, how am I supposed to continue this show when I'm picturing <laughs> hideous footwear? Maybe I'll get some Crocs, wear them on the show, and do a stand-up for our podcast. Drew, I picture you as a Croc guy, so you giving me that look. I don't know. Let's ask, Teddy, <laughs> let's ask senior editor Teddy Greenstein as we welcome him and what kind of shoes he wears when he covers golf, because this guy is always at a ton of golf events. You can answer that in a second, Teddy, but in all seriousness, we're going to start with the Big Ten, but then I do want to hear about your wardrobe. Um, And you look fabulous today, by the way. Iowa, Michigan, Big Ten Championship. This is obviously something you are extremely familiar with in the Midwest. And right now, Michigan is laying a whopping 10 and a half points. This game obviously has a huge effect in playoff implications. But in general, it's a battle and it's a fun game. Total sitting at 44 I want your expertise on this game and also where the money's coming in over at PointsBet here, Teddy. 
Hey, Sarah and Drew, I do. I do feel a little overdressed here, except for the fact that I'm wearing slippers on my feet. So uh, not prepared for any <laughs> sand here in, in Chicago, but good to see you guys. Somewhat balanced in terms of the action we're taking on Michigan, Iowa, 60% of the money on Michigan. And that certainly makes sense when obviously the Wolverines just completely blitzed Ohio State, really shut that team down, dominated, as Jim uh, Harbaugh put it accurately. And look, the Wolverines are 5-0 uh, against the spread in their last five. If you want to make a case for Iowa, you certainly can. I mean, when you look at this team, allowing only 17.3 points per game, very stingy against the run, 2.97 yards per carry. So if Iowa can, you know, keep the Michigan rushing attack in check, then it's up to Cade McNamara to beat the Hawkeyes. And Cade McNamara is good. He's not great. Had a good game against Ohio State. Did have that interception in the red zone that he threw. Bad decision there. So that's the case for Iowa. Can they contain Michigan? Maybe keep them under 20 points. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Michigan has been the most dominant against the spread team in all of college football this year with the 10-2 and record. And yeah. of course, after that huge cover last week where I felt like most of the sharp players that I follow all ran to the window back Michigan. You got to wonder if they're going back to the well or if they're going to flip uh, and try to grab a little value as the market is potentially a little, little high on Michigan at 10 and a half. But uh, another side that I've seen a lot of chalk steam, sticking to our chalk theme today, I guess, the Georgia Bulldogs yeah. are six and a half point favorites yeah. against Alabama. Now, all season long, we've seen, uh, oh, this would be this, what would be the spread? It'll be a pick em or a little bit of juice on the Georgia side. Okay, well, maybe three on Georgia. Six and a half now is the number that we're staring at. And uh, you can't help but wonder if this is in some way reflected by what we just saw from Alabama, yep. inability to protect the quarterback, you know, a little bit of a difficult uh, time for that offense to, to put up points and now going up against potentially one of the better college football defenses we've seen in some time, if yes. not ever. It makes me wonder if, uh, if this is a fair price here on Georgia minus six and a half. And, and uh, uh, you know, what has the betting market in general looked like for this game? Are you seeing split action or is this uh, Bulldogs or, or nothing? We're seeing heavy, heavy Bulldogs. No surprise, 82%. This line actually ticked up to seven for a brief bit. Now, before the season, when you're comparing Alabama and Georgia, think about it this way. Georgia was plus 260 to win the SEC and Alabama was minus 155. So the betting public was, of course, on the Nick Saban crew. And then that tilted during the season. Now, the look-ahead line last week, if you were to bet this game, it was going to be Georgia minus maybe three and a half, four. Got up to seven a little bit, settling in at six and a half. And to me, that's not too many points. I mean, Drew, you touched on Georgia's defense. I mean, think about this. They're allowing 6.9 points per game. <laughs> Second in the country is Clemson at 15 points. Wow. Third, by the way, is Cincinnati at 15.8. So that's pretty good if your number is eight points better than whoever is second. Look, we know Stetson Bennett, not a prolific passer for Georgia. He's ranks about a millionth in passing yards, but second in efficiency. So Georgia really doesn't have a weakness that everyone's found. Georgia's coming here off a ton of easy games, and Alabama had to sweat through it last week, of course, in a couple overtimes to get past Auburn. 
This is a tough one for me for a few reasons. Obviously, having gone to Florida, I don't want either of these teams to win. I also hate betting against Nick Saban. This is a lot of points here for me, yeah. getting close to six and a half. I actually lean towards Alabama, but I do think Georgia gets the win. This will be fascinating. By the way, Georgia, win six straight up, have not beaten Alabama in their last six games. So different teams, of course, this season. This will be a fascinating game, and it could have a huge impact and a ton of implications here on the conference, uh, excuse me, on the national title market. What are are you guys really seeing in these markets are people taking a shot at, at Oklahoma State and Notre Dame's or are yeah. they kind of just thinking these games will play out as the spreads dictate and that'll be enough to get the top four in yeah Sarah it's funny when you're talking about taking a shot we are actually offering odds on Iowa to win the national championship at 200 to one I was trying to construct a case where it's conceivable where you know if I win seven million times another seven million to one and I'd throw maybe a dollar on it Teddy yeah, I, I covered that Big Ten championship game where Cardell Jones and Ohio State won 59 to nothing as an underdog against Wisconsin. So if Iowa wins 59 to nothing, I still don't think it's going to happen. There's not enough <laughs> chaos in the world. They would need some science fiction to get in there. But certainly we're seeing um, action on Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. I mean, those teams now are looking so much more likely to get in. Notre Dame still really on the outs. Notre Dame would need a lot of help to do it, obviously, starting with Georgia eliminating Alabama and perhaps Houston to beat uh, Cincinnati. Now, as we're talking about money, this one really got my attention. A lot more money on the Cougars plus 10 and a half to cover that line against Cincinnati. Uh, over 80% of the public action on our action is on Houston. So that's an interesting one. The Cougars haven't lost since opening week, but they've beaten a bunch of nobodies. So Cincinnati, you would have thought the public would be on them. All the chips on the line here, but uh, people think Houston's going to put up a fight. Oh, very interesting. I'm looking at the rundown here. We're talking about Dallas at uh, New Orleans, and I'm like, oh, Dallas is minus four and a half. My Mavericks play already has a little closing line value. That was quick. Mark, oh, wait, this is football. The Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> different Dallas, different New Orleans. Dallas Cowboys are four and a half point favorites against the New Orleans Saints. And this is a tough market to really put a number yeah. to, in my opinion, because we're seeing a shifted quarterback from New Orleans. We're expecting no longer the Trevor Simeon show. This is now the Taysom Hill experience whatever that is, uh, and they're taking on a, a Dallas team that looks likely to be at full strength. I guess we don't really know that Amari Cooper is going to be cleared right. yet or not. Otherwise, they have a relatively strong and complete offense that is will be taking the field against the Saints in the Superdome. What is your general read on this market? And, uh, you know, I guess Thursday night football in general seems to be a standalone NFL game this time of year. Not, you know, this is a, this should be a big one, right? Yeah, I mean, 75% of the money we're seeing is on the Cowboys. Not a surprise because they're the Cowboys and because people watch that awful Saints performance on Thanksgiving, my my buddy Trevor Simeon. Oof, not the best uh, there from that Northwestern guy. So let's see what the Saints do at quarterback. And I think the bigger question is Alvin Kamara. I mean, I don't really know how you can bet this game before knowing about you know, the superstar running back who catches a bunch of balls and is such a huge part of that offense. So Taysom Hill, I think we feel solid. He's going to play. Cooper's up in the air. But until we know about Kamara, uh, I don't know which side to play here. 
Yeah, this is an interesting one. I like the over, played it at 47. It's kind of bounced around from 47 and a half back down to 47 in terms of the side. Yeah, a lot of question marks with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. I'll give a prop out later for our edge of the day. But Teddy, that's all we have from you. We appreciate you coming on and all of the time. You can follow Teddy on Twitter at Teddy Greenstein. Again, he is the senior editor over at PointsBet. And I love when he comes on to give us a little glimpse behind the counter there. Teddy, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, best of luck with all your wages for the weekend. You too, Sarah and Drew. Take care. This is going to be a fascinating game. I'm going to break it down in just a minute. But for now, you guys, we are headed down the backstretch of the NFL season. And the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play. So predict what will happen between the Broncos and Chiefs for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. need to try to get involved in something like this so I can get my condo or house in Albany and then maybe play a little golf, use your yacht when I'm down there. That would be fun. Or we just need Iowa to get into the national title picture somehow and then win. <laughs> Which let me be I was clear, about, me be clear to... about that number. You couldn't actually put a big enough number for me to get involved with Iowa. I think, it's not happening, to, I think for them to get into the playoff, you would need Georgia to wipe the floor with Alabama. I think you would need Iowa to win 59 nothing. I think you need Baylor to beat Oklahoma State 2-0. Um, and then I think you need Houston to beat Cincinnati. And even then Iowa then has to though, go and beat Georgia, which that alone might be 200 to one. I love our our, our college football talk. And I think most people know my fiance is a huge Notre Dame guy. And if I Mm. hear about ways that Notre Dame can get involved and get into the playoffs and then now Brian Kelly's hurting their chances. If I hear about that one more time, Drew, Something's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm getting nervous about my own mental health here. If I have to hear about Notre Dame entering this and now even I, well, let's just drop it. Okay. I just dying to know what, who the next coach at Notre Dame is. Don't you, don't you wonder, aren't you talking it about that? With all your friends all the time? It keeps me up at night <laughs> over the past two days. It's been, uh, it's been stressful in this household. We'll have Thor on the show Friday. He will indeed help us get into all of these scenarios so I can rehash this argument um, with you and my fiance and everyone else in the world for Notre Dame to sneak in. But Drew, it is edge of the day. That's where we wrap up the show. You can all take Iowa at 200 to one. I need an actual play for tonight or throughout the week, not in the futures market. Let's hear it. The floor is yours. I'm going to go back to the NBA uh, and the one number that stands out pretty the the most clearly in terms of the most incorrect is the Atlanta Hawks as underdogs to the Indiana Pacers. This one is a tough read entirely. Uh, The in general Atlanta is at full strength. We're only missing really Cam Reddish here uh, in terms of the players that have helped dig them out of the hole that they dug earlier this season. The market is, has been slow to kind of reassess the strength of Atlanta in general uh, after a poor start to the season. The poor start to their season was completely explainable, in my opinion, by schedule. They went through an absolute ringer as uh, as they were forced to travel through the West Coast, playing back-to-back nights at, Al- you know, at Elevation in Utah and just getting embarrassed in those, in those very, very challenging spots. Well, now that their schedule has evened out, now that they've gotten some rest, particularly around the holidays, Atlanta finds themselves at a rest advantage here going up 
against an Indiana Pacers team that is nine and 14 on the season and really has been very uninspiring, particularly in these type of matchups. Every time they have faced off in kind of a pick em ish game around an Eastern Conference contender, they have not shown us that they can hang. And a ton of that, I point at coaching. I do not think Rick Carlisle is using this roster to the best of his uh, ability. And in general, Indiana with a questionable Miles Turner and uh, a couple of players on the COVID list, I don't know that they match up strength-wise on a, you know, in the best case scenario against Atlanta, let alone at a rest disadvantage. So one, a real head scratcher here. Uh, somebody in this market just can't get enough Indiana Pacers, and I do not understand it. This is Atlanta Hawks should be favored by three points by my numbers. And so the fact that we can catch them on the money line at plus 100 is my edge of the day. I love it. Somebody clearly has a lot of love for the Pacers. The money actually right now for the money line pushed from Atlanta minus 105 to currently plus 100. So it's getting some plus money here. Whoever loved the Pacers, back off. We're taking the Hawks plus one. They've been outstanding. They've won seven of their last eight. We'll take them tonight to get it done. For my age of the day, I'm going to tomorrow. And that is on Thursday Night Football. I guess I really love this game. I talked about a total yesterday. I went on, I was actually looking this morning for a Dak Prescott touchdown profit sitting at one and a half. The over is juice to like minus 250. Stay away when you see any juice like that for what it's worth. But I found something I do love that you can get obviously for pretty good odds. It's Dak Prescott going over 35 and a half pass attempts. I do think after we kind of see practice uh, injury reports rather today coming out that this is going to go up to 36, 37. His edge projection agrees with me. He's uh, estimated there for 39.6 pass attempts. He's actually gone over this number quite a bit. Dak Prescott, 36 plus pass attempts in four of his last five games. The only time he didn't is when they played Atlanta and that was an easy blowout. This is pretty obvious. The Saints run defense, third best in the league. We know that they're not that good against the pass. And if you think about Dak Prescott and what he's obviously good at and with Amari Cooper probably coming back, C.D. Lamb will be back on pace to return. This is huge. I know Zeke is supposedly good to go, but this is a really good run defense. And regardless, I think they do keep it simple. The coaching situation might actually help this offense. Let's give it to Dak. Let's put the ball in his hands, throw it. This is for me, 35 and a half. I take the over on his pass attempts for Thursday night football against the Saints tomorrow, Drew. I love it. Uh, if there is one thing we have learned about Dak Prescott this season, he is managing in-game extremely well in terms of pass versus run. If you think back to week one against Tampa Bay, he checked out of a dozen run plays that were going nowhere and went with a pass instead and had great success against that Tampa Bay defense. Uh, similarly, facing a New Orleans defense that is very stout against the run, I think this is an absolutely outstanding look. Great read. And in general, the coaching being unlikely to handicap him is a, is a positive. Yeah, let's hope the offensive coordinator reads this. Also, as you kind of said, which is fascinating, a lot of our, our researchers put in awesome notes on our rundown. We're just looking. Dallas actually hasn't had over 20 carries in a game since they played the Vikings. So as you just said, kind of Dak having a read and knowing when to pass. 55% uh, of the handle is coming in the over on that play. So would not be surprised to see this tick up by tomorrow. That wraps up today here on Bet the Edge Powered by Points Bet. We appreciate you guys joining us live or after on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Be sure to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more plays and ways to help you with your wagers throughout the day. Please subscribe, rate the podcast. Best of luck with all your wagers, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Have a good day.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.